0: But legacy is not what you leave in their bank account. A legacy is what you've deposited in their hearts. And so the only way to do that is through a relationship. I want kids to know. I want anybody around me to know. I want my grandkids to know. There's nothing you can do to make me love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make me love you less.
1: Mark Gregson joins us today on Focus on the Family with some great advice for grandparents. Thanks for joining us. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller.
2: John, neither one of us are grandparents. That's hopefully in our future. We I certainly hope have so, kids yes. that uh, should be able to get married and have children. I'm looking forward to that. Me too. And uh, you know, uh, I have friends that have arrived at that stage. It's got to be that same or similar feeling when you become a first-time parent. You're overwhelmed by. What's ahead and what's my role and what do I need to do? And Mm -hmm. it is a great idea to start thinking about what kind of grandparent you want to be if you haven't become one yet. Or if you are one with little ones, how do you want to help shape them? What are your adult children going to allow you to do? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of dynamics when it comes to grandparenting. Probably the best line that I've heard about grandparents is grandparents and grandchildren share the same enemy. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> the adult the adult children. <laughs> so I love that concept. Of yeah. course it's tongue in cheek. So we don't need to uh you know, be too concerned about that. But I'm looking forward to today's program, Grandparenting Teens is the book, Leaving a Legacy of Hope. And I love that concept of being a grandparent and leaving a legacy of hope. Mm -hmm. Sounds like what Jesus would want us to do.
1: Yeah, that's so aspirational and inspirational. And our guest is a seasoned grandparent. He has four grandchildren. Seasoned? Uh, I like that. Well, Mark Gregston (laughs) and his wife, Jan, uh, have two children, both married and four grandchildren.
0: Mark, welcome to Focus. Well, it's good to be here. Yeah, It's good to be here with you guys. I, I can't believe you don't have grandkids because (laughs) because you guys look look so so much older than me you
2: know (laughs) mark let's start with that idea of hope you know when i look at grandparents um all all through my life there tends to be like two kinds the fun Mm -hmm. kind and then the kind of mean kind yeah how how do you ensure that you end up being the fun grandparent a good grandparent and not one that's upset with the world all the time
0: yeah what a great question you know I, i when i became a grandparent i was 45 and I was scared to death. I even told my daughter, I go, look, I, I don't do well with these little kids. I don't do well with other kids. When they become teens, I think I'll do okay. And that's how I kind of went into it. I was scared to death because right. I had no idea. And then I was there next to the door when my granddaughter was born 23 years ago. And I heard her cry. Mm. And it was almost like my heart open, just just like that. Wow. Just something changed. And I've never experienced that before. And I mean it's been something quite different. And Tim Kimmel always says, you know, grandparenting, it's a mulligan. It's a do over. <laughs> yeah. You get to you get to make up for all those mistakes yeah. that you've made. And I think what happens is that some grandparents feel like a grandchild is a burden. Well, I've got to do it again. I've got to do this all, you know, I've got to go through the same thing I went through with my kids. And then there's other ones that look at it as a mulligan, as a chance to redeem the time that maybe they missed with their own
2: kids. Yeah.
0: And I think that's the difference between the two.
2: Yeah, and Gene and I have often said it'd be wonderful to parent again. Yeah. You know, you go through it the first time, you make mistakes, you're a little too tough on them in certain situations, yeah. you wish you would have been maybe a little... Uh, lighter hearted about something or something, you know, just yeah. something you didn't do correctly. Well, and be- I, I think most parents have that experience.
0: Yeah. You begin to learn what's important and what's not. Right. I it- mean, and, and and what matters and what doesn't matter and what's you know, plus as a grandparent, you don't have to deal with all the rules and and everything. I mean, grandparenting is not just being a parent on steroids. Right. It is a different, a completely different role that gives the opportunity for to influence a child in a completely different way than a parent yeah.
2: does. And I want to get into the boundaries that we'll need to set or talk about setting with a grandparent and yeah. an adult child because you certainly can't directly parent that grandchild. You have to do it right. with permission. Mm -hmm. right? The things that you need to do. But let's go back a little bit. In the book, you talked about not having a strong relationship with your own grandparents, which gave you some um, doubts about being a grandparent when that granddaughter was born you're just talking about. The lack of experience of having uh, engaged grandparents, let me say it that way. Why did that that freak you out a little bit when you were becoming a grandparent?
0: I, I didn't enjoy my grandparents. And here I am, 45, becoming one. And, and you know, people grandparents are grandparents; they're in their 40s and 50s and 60s. And I didn't see that. I saw nothing but oldness. I saw nothing but crankiness and difficulty and hardship. And I thought, I don't want to be like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be like that. And it was a choice. And I just said, I'm going to be involved in the lives of my grandkids. And so that's how it started. Yeah. That's how it started.
2: Now, this book is aimed at grandparents of teenagers specifically, which I really appreciate because, as you said, you know, when they're first born and they take your breath away, you get to hold them and coddle (laughs) them, and everything is golden and it's wonderful. And how often can you have them over at the house? And. Sometimes that could be maybe a little too much. (laughs) I have some friends that uh, their adult children rely on their babysitting skills a little too much, perhaps. But the point of it, uh, you kind of move through that period and you have your four grandkids. What was significantly different when they became teenagers? Why was that step-up time for you as a grandpa?
0: Well, I think it's the most important time, quite honestly, that a grandparent's got to be involved. And, and, And we've all said this. We look at teens and we say, I, I wouldn't want to grow up in that culture. And I wouldn't. But our our grandkids have to. And the tendency is is that they are easy to take care of when they're little and small and cute. They run to us. They come to us. We can do no wrong during those early years. And then a switch is turned when they get into middle school. Social networking begins to happen. Their social circles begin to expand And if grandparents aren't intentional about saying, how am I going to maintain this relationship, then they will be the first ones that are cast out and pushed out of the circle and will no longer have an influence. And I think that's when grandparents are needed the most. Is that is the time that our our teen grandchildren need the wisdom. They need a little bit of gray hair. They need a little bit <laughs> What well, they they do. They need that more than information. And they need somebody outside of a parent that affirms them and encourages so them true. and and spends time with them and lets them know they're valued, but provides that place of rest that they can go to and say, you know, I'd love being with Mama and papa I, whatever you call them right that it's, it's a, a
2: place I want to go
0: that's right yeah
2: and, I love that kind con- mm-hmm. that kind of construct yeah. you want your grandkids to want to be over there yeah uh, let me ask you this before we get into more of that dynamic between grandparent and grandchild and we're gonna you know you gave some great examples of things you need to remember mm-hmm. to build the relationship and not tear it down and you know we as human beings so easily can be critical we'll get to that but talk about resetting the relationship between your adult children and you mm-hmm. in their role as the parent and your role as the grandparent. Because that, I would say here at Focus on the Family, we get a lot of mm. inquiry from listeners who are struggling, either as the grandparent who feel shut out of certain decision-making yeah. or discipline issues with the kids, grandkids, or like they feel like they got to engage because the, the kids aren't really raising the grandkids the way they should. Right. So how do you first set that relationship with your adult children? What are some of the things you got to talk about? How does your attitude have to change from parenting to grandparenting?
0: Yeah, what a great question. You know, I I do this um, and I encourage people to do this. I support my kids no matter what. I support them. I'm not going to get involved in the discipline. I'm not going to get involved in telling them where things are wrong. I'm not going to tell them that they are doing things wrong. So
2: that builds trust with your adult children.
0: That's right. And the only way that I'm going to influence my kids during that time is to back off a little bit and let them come to me rather than forcing what I think needs to be done. Now, if there's something really wrong going on, yes, I'm going to intervene as a grandparent. Anybody would. But, I mean, as a point of raising kids and involved in all these things – Not at all. And that's the beauty of it. I mean, I know how to parent well, but I I have learned how to grandparent. And part of that is keeping my nose where it belongs. And it doesn't belong in, in them having to deal with having me have to deal with all the issues that a parent has to deal with. That's why grandparents become that that golden place to go to, yeah. because it's two different places. It's not the same. I don't. I I will support my kids in everything. Yeah. Uh, I will always I like be that. backing them.
2: In that context, is it wise to sit and talk with your children, your adult children, about what we're going to experience together? And I want to make sure I understand what you would like me to do as the grandparent and get that kind of input is that a good thing yeah, to do? Or... I, I
0: never did yeah I, I never did i just said you parent them and i'll i'll have fun with them well no
2: but that's you laying know. it out though <laughs> i mean yeah, even is. that is laying that out a little bit yeah
0: yeah my daughter says it's almost like you like them more than us And I go, well, I do, you know, and and, I mean, and I I want that to be there. I want my grandkids to know that they are so special in my life that I'm going to be very intentional about moving toward them and doing whatever I need to, to maintain that relationship. And so in the process of that, I'm really loving my kids by loving my grandkids.
2: Uh, Getting to the relationship between the grandparent and the grandchild, you share two ways to show love and connect with your grandchild. What are those two ways?
0: Well, I, I mean, I think it's learning that there's far more than just a few love languages out there. You know, I mean, there's hundreds of love languages. And I think it's letting the child know that I've got you backed all the time. Yeah. You know, one of my love languages is that I want to know that that I'm going to be supported by those people I've been
2: loyal to. And the other thing is I want to be invited. What does loyalty as a grandparent toward a grandchild look like?
0: Well, for somebody just to say, well, grandpa would never say that. Papa would never say that cuz you never do. That's right. <laughs> and and when somebody says something that they would say no that's not true. There's no greater way even for my my wife and I. There's no greater way that I feel loved than when she says that's not true about Mark that she stood up for me. Mm. And perhaps that's because I don't feel like I've ever been stood up for, mm. you know, in my life by parents or grandparents. But, I mean, there's something about that, that that's one of my languages. And the other is I just want to be invited. So I invite my grandkids to everything.
2: To participate. That's
0: right. Come to be a part. Let's go to this concert. Let's let's go on a trip together. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? How can we spend time together? And whatever that is, we're going to
2: do it. See, I think that I, I would look forward to that, like taking two weeks in the summer and telling yeah. Trent and Troy, you know, send the kids. Our way, and we'll take them for a couple weeks, three weeks, whatever, and spend time with him. It gives you a break too.
0: Well, it does, and I—I I tell my daughter, she, she goes, "Well, can we come?" I go, "No, <laughs>
2: <Right>. just <laughs> yeah. just yeah. <laughs> just give me the kids. That's all I want." You know, one example of that, Steve Menifee, who's a mentor of mine, a business mm-hmm. guy, retired now, but he used to—he had a, a farm, I think, in Connecticut, and he would create grandma and grandpa's farm summer yeah and have all the i think i don't remember the number but a number of the grandkids would come and just spend you know a month with them and i thought that was awesome they'd fish and hike and do fun things and crafts and they had it all planned like a summer excursion
0: yeah, yeah. well how how special is that yeah oh and they're that gonna a, that remember kid, that forever that a kid would go that's what i remember yeah and really what we're talking about and leaving a legacy. Is that, you know, when when Paul said to the Corinthians, remember how I was with you. I mean, there is something about that, that I want my grandkids to remember how we were together. Mm-hmm. That's what I want more than anything. I like that.
2: Mark, let me ask you uh, you talk about the importance of storytelling as a grandparent. Mm. I love that idea, yeah, but speak to the power of storytelling as a grandparent how do you How do you develop that art if that's not a skill you possess?
0: Well, I think at some point people begin to realize that they really have more wisdom then they actually know huh. that you get to a point in life and you go, I have learned some things. God has been teaching me things, but there hasn't been the point of that. I think anybody can write a book. And quite honestly, if you spent time enough figuring out what you've learned throughout life, because the wisdom that you've gathered has come from observation and reflection and experience. And it's those things in your life that you go, okay, I'm learning the good things in life, the right things in life. And I've learned them through stories that are funny and sometimes tragically funny, that it wasn't funny at the time, but it sure is funny now kind of thing. And you reflect on those things. And it's just saying, how do I put that into a parable? How do I put into something that a child can understand? And I think that becomes important. But the second part of that that I think is key, it's talking about experiences that you have together. You know, if wisdom is gathered by the experiences that I have in life, then I want to have experiences with my grandchild. I want to do things with them so that whether it be fishing or riding a horse or going to a concert or going on vacation or inviting them over or watching special movies or having a dinner night or whatever that is, I want them to look back at that time and for them to start telling stories. I remember when Papa did this, I remember when Papa got thrown off a horse. I remember <laughs> when this happened and this happened and this happened. I think you've you've got to create the environment that stories can be told. So we're not playing games, if you will, to engage with one another. That there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way to engage Hmm. and tell those things that have happened in our life and spend time looking at those. Yeah,
1: I
2: like it. That's that's keeping the oral tradition alive for the family. Yeah, Absolutely. The, uh, you know, just the idea of humor in the family is so critical. But that could be tough for some people because, you know, they feel maybe that it shows some form of disrespect or something like that. You in fact had an encounter, I think you are invited over to a, a family who wanted you to observe and give them some feedback. What happened? (laughs) <laughs> well the feedback wasn't
0: too good i you know i they wondered why they're
2: they get points for having you come over and do that i mean right. a there's pretty, a hard to learn a, yeah you know come over and tell us what we're doing wrong kind of statement yeah. that's really brave of them so i give them credit for yeah, that yeah yeah but then you let them have it
0: well I, i'm not so sure they wanted to hear what i had to say okay. all right you know and i quite honestly i think it was one daughter that had gotten involved in the in the life of some young man and the son was smoking pot or something. Okay. And I said, you know, if I grew up in this house, I think I'd be doing the same thing. Wow. You guys are boring. You don't do anything. You're always concerned about behavior. You're more concerned about the condition of their room than you are the condition of their heart. You don't listen. You don't laugh. You don't. You, there's well, no. In fact,
2: they're th- forbidden to laugh at the dinner table. That right? you couldn't laugh.
0: That's terrible. And you'd get in trouble if you laughed at the dinner table. Hmm. And so I laughed at that when they told me, cause, and we were eating dinner, and it was almost like that I had just violated some great thing that I wasn't supposed to violate, but it really was. You just don't do those things. And I go, you've got to lighten up if you're yeah. ever going to speak to the more difficult issues that are going on in the life of a teen. It's so different. It's so different than 15 years ago. You know,
2: Mark, let me, mm-hmm. let's me let dig into this a little bit because there's got to be some parents and certainly grandparents that are listening. And I think it applies to both groups. That importance where, you, where you're doing the very things you just talked about, being more concerned about behavior than the heart. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. They were probably raised in a very similar Absolutely. situation. Absolutely. So these are learned behaviors. This is yeah. how their mom and dad raised them. How How do you counsel somebody when you know someone listening right now going wow that sounds a lot like our dinner table yeah that sounds a lot like the way we go about parenting them How, how do you coach them to get a grasp on that and the importance of it because i what i have found is when you have that attitude it's a judgmental attitude yeah especially with your kids and then into the teen years you will drive them to the very behavior that you're wanting them to avoid right like you said right I'd be doing those things too to escape. So how how as the adult do you get a hold of that and understand that and talk about it with your kids that I haven't done this well. Yeah. I've got to change and I'm so sorry that I put this burden on you.
0: Well, that's the first step. But I think you have to realize that somewhere. I mean, I live with sixty high school kids. I mean (laughs) that that's crazy. It is crazy. (laughs) But but I have. I have for, you know, almost Forty some years, and, and well, describe
2: that though, so people get it. So this yeah. is where you're helping these. That's right. We kids. have a residential
0: counseling center. Yeah. Kids come and live with us for a year at a time they're great kids, they're wonderful kids, but they're making choices or something traumatic has happened in their family
2: and you're saying there's reasons they make those choices that's right and, and that's what you got to look at
0: that's right and they 're spinning out of control I mean behavior is the visible expression of the invisible issues, mm. so I can control behavior all I want, but I want to get to the heart of the issue, mm. and I find that that over the years i've learned that there's some tactics that just don't work with parenting. And that is when we demand perfection. It's when we exert this overwhelming authority and when we're judgmental. And that is very difficult in trying to engage kids talking about subjects that, that they are dealing with in the world and culture they live in to not be those things. Because I want good things. I really want them to listen to me well, and I have a tendency to become judgmental because I think people are doing some things wrong, but I've got to come across in a way that's more about the relationship and their heart than it is about their behavior and performance.
2: Which sounds a lot like Jesus. Yeah. Exactly. Think of Jesus encountering these people that were just behaving so poorly. Yeah. And he modeled that so well to say, I care about you. I love you. Mm-hmm. And as a grandparent, oh, how refreshing that is for... a Teen grandchild to hear that. Let's end where we started mm-hmm. this in your subtitle, Leaving a Legacy of Hope, because you are kind of filling in what gives a teenager hope. Yeah. You know, that you believe in me, that you're concerned for me, that you trust me, that, you know, all those things that are built up in that grandparenting of a teen relationship. Yeah. Uh, just elaborate on that idea of a legacy of hope and how you can set the foundation to make it happen.
0: Well, a legacy is not what you leave in their bank account. A legacy is what you've deposited in their Mm -hmm. hearts. And so the only way to do that is through a relationship. I want kids to know. I want anybody around me to know. I want my grandkids to know. There's nothing you can do to make me love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make me love you less. Now, when I say that, I say nothing, Mm. no matter what they come and tell me. And there's issues out there right now that kids are making choices that are poor and awful and rotten and everything. But I want them to know about anything else. I love you and I love you dearly because I want to touch their heart. I want to know I'm there for you. I will always be there for you and nothing will get in between our relationship. So I don't let them take advantage of me. I don't let them run me, but I do let them know that I can still love them and have a strong disagreement with maybe how they're living or the choices they're making, but I still love them. Because if I miss the opportunity and and they don't feel love from me, then I will never have the opportunity to speak wisdom into their life and walk alongside them and share the truth that I know to be true, that I've found through either you know, when I was in ninth grade being the Oklahoma Bible quiz champ or, or <laughs> learning through, you know, all the years of study or what I've gathered through scripture, I'll never have the opportunity to share that if I am more concerned about the behavior than I am about their heart.
2: You know, when you look at the church broadly, um, let me ask you this, Mark, um, you know, we try to project perfection mm. in our families, in our behavior, no matter the age. Certainly as parents, we want our kids to behave. We don't want to have that out-of-control grocery store experience, especially as a Christian family. (laughs) You know, if God's real, why are my kids so out-of-control? There's a title for a book. But um, the point of that, what I'm trying to say is that vulnerability, I have found that with my own boys. When I share with them, where I blew it as a teenager, where I wasn't thinking straight, where I didn't do the right thing, Mm -hmm. they actually draw closer. Absolutely. It's just the way it works. When you're trying to project perfection... People move away from that because yeah. they can't be that. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and, they I, won't be that.
2: I, and I love that concept as a grandparent to let them know where you weren't perfect.
0: Well, that you're imperfect.
2: I mean, because they'll move towards you. Yeah.
0: Who likes being around a perfect person? They well, drive you crazy. Not you only know?
2: that, but there's something inside even a child who goes, I don't know if I could trust that. Well, I, I don't believe it's true. That's right. And I
0: think <laughs> the other part is you create an unbelievable atmosphere When you allow, I mean, during those training years, one through 12, you want things to be perfect. But beyond that, you want to start showing some imperfection because it creates an environment that a child's attracted to. They would much rather be in an imperfect world, knowing that we're striving for good things than to live in a world where they're never going to reach what mom and dad want them to reach. And so as a parent and as a grandparent, I share things about me where they know Feelings and thoughts, all the imperfections in my life, I let them know because I want them to know it's okay to struggle because as we struggle together, we get to a better
2: place. Well, and how about the reinforcement that through our imperfection is where we need Christ? Absolutely. And then that Christ Absolutely. fills in that gap yeah. and it's the gift of salvation. Yeah. It's not earned, it's given. That's right. And that's when they start
0: asking questions. Right.
2: And then they understand it. Yeah. Yeah, this has been so good, Mark. Thank you for being with us. Oh, absolutely. We've enjoyed talking to Mark
1: Gregston today on Focus on the Family, and uh, what great ideas about how you can be more intentional as a grandparent, especially to teenage grandchildren. I trust you've picked up some solid tips today. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller.
3: Being a grandparent is a unique gift, and there are different roles and responsibilities that only you can fill in your grandchildren's lives, especially in their teen years. I really appreciated Mark's call to be less concerned about their behavior and more their heart. The book we're recommending with this program is by Rob Parsons and called The 60-Minute Grandparent. In this simple book, Rob will help you reach the common aspiration of all grandparents to be the best grandparent that you can possibly be. You might be in that spot where you feel like you've blown it. I want to encourage you that it's never too late to begin to be a special influence in your grandkids' lives. Get your copy of the book when you call us on 031-716-3300 or find it on our website at safamily.co.za. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Graham Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.